Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Long Shot Podcast, brought to you by 342 Productions. I am your host, Duncan Robinson, and I am back here with Davis Reed again on the Long Shot. And gosh, does it feel good, Dave? Say it with your chest, man. We are back. Yes. Excited to be here. Uh, obviously, address the elephant in the room. We're coming off a, a brief hiatus. Uh, quite frankly and candidly, I, I wish it was a longer hiatus. Right. As many know, we uh, the Miami Heat and yours truly had an early exit in the NBA playoffs. Certainly earlier than we all expected. Um, we're going to unpack that series and playoff basketball in greater depth on actually the next episode. Uh, so basically Davis and I are currently, I'm, I'm in New Hampshire visiting my, my beautiful mother. Davis is back in Kansas city, but we have some exciting things on the horizon. We're heading to the city of angels here shortly. And, uh, we're reconvening for obviously I'm, I'm handling my, my training for my, my day job, if you will. Uh, but we also have some exciting podcast things coming up here. I would say it's a podcast trip. You can try to frame it as like your off-season training. Yeah, there's some basketball stuff you're going to do. You'll probably lift some weights every once in a while. But the way I see it is we're going out there for podcast stuff only. So it's weird that you would try to change the narrative. Yeah, I mean, the goal is to do as many interviews, conversations uh, in person as possible. As much as Zoom has provided us with opportunity, uh, we've we've learn to really love the human to human interaction uh, without this screen in between us. So we're excited to to get to that. And that's partially why this front of show right here is going to be a little bit more abbreviated than maybe many would expect. Obviously, we have so much to talk about uh, from playoff basketball to that series with Milwaukee, recapping the season. Uh, there's there's just so much there, whether you're a Heat fan or, or a basketball fan uh, or just a fan of Davis Reed. Uh, there's, there's a lot there, there a lot to of talk those. about. Yeah. Um, but we are recording this on Wednesday. And it would feel a little bit disingenuous not to touch on basically the the latest and greatest uh, in news. Actually, I wouldn't say it's great news, right. but uh, the fact that two perennial all stars are it's looking like they're going to be missing significant time in their respective series moving forward. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I mean it's just terrible. It it adds to a laundry list of guys who have missed time. Uh, in fact, like right as we started recording this, LeBron went on his little Twitter. Uh, rampage might be the wrong word, but he had some words to say uh, about the quick turnaround and a lot of guys missing time. It's obviously terrible as a fan. I mean, speaking from fans perspective, obviously you want to see some of the best players in the world going at it for a championship. So for there to be no Kawhi hurts, I thought the Clippers had a real chance to come out of the West and then CP three, we don't really know what's going on. Uh, hopefully he's back on the court very soon. Yeah, there's obviously some ambiguity with the CP3 thing. I will say, for some reason, it just always seems to be Chris Paul. And I, yeah. I don't know why. Uh, there's no rhyme or reason to it other than, I don't know, maybe the guy just has has bad luck. Um, but it's it's really unfortunate to see the way they were rolling. And hopefully, you know what, honestly, it, it might get all figured out by the time that series starts next week. Uh, Kawhi 
is probably a more unfortunate one because it's it's like a physical health. Um, from all accounts, CP3 is, is doing well and, and is healthy, uh, has just tested positive. But for Kawhi to have an ACL injury, uh, regardless of the severity, that's you know a little bit more dicey, I would say. It kind of feels like Chris Paul's in a State Farm commercial just constantly. You know those you know those ads where he's like something bad's gonna happen. He's like yeah. Jake's here. Something bad's gonna happen. Maybe Jake's just is around Chris Paul in real life too. That's an interesting take. I don't know. Yeah. I just I'm thinking outside the box. No, I, I think that one might have some legs to it. Um, so, anyways, we're we're heading to Los Angeles. Uh, I'm going to be out there for a little while, training, uh, getting ready for next year, uh, gearing up with my, my workouts, both on and off the court. And Davis, uh, really doesn't really have a choice cause he's no longer my friend. He's just my business partner. Correct. Uh, so it's a, it's a business trip, uh, in many way, shapes and, and forms. Um, but, but we're excited for it. Yeah. We've talked about this as this podcast grows, which hopefully it continues to, our friendship might be diminishing over time. So it's just, it's an Certainly. investment that we're making. Um, we now have to see each other and talk once a week, which doesn't really give us reason to do anything outside of that. Yeah, no, there's there's definitely some truth to that. It, it changes when you were required to pick up a phone call. Correct. Uh, due to contractual obligations. Um, anyways, one thing we did want to touch on was the transition period for American Airlines Arena, formerly known as American Airlines, currently known as FTX Arena. Uh, yes. For those not familiar with FTX, it is a cryptocurrency company. Um, it's kind of like a, a marketplace for the trading of crypto. Uh, if it sounds like I'm in over my head talking about this, it's because I am. Um, but that's probably my best explanation of it. But anyways, we thought it would be fun, given it no longer being American Airlines, to recap some of our favorite moments from the AAA days. Yeah, it's just sort of paying our respects. You know, that arena has played a very important role in your life. And it's still standing, but you know, uh, let's just keep that in mind. But with a name change, uh, you know, it's a it's a, a passing of the guard, if you will. Yeah. So we'll just pay our respects to to AA. So what are we doing here? Do we each get two, or are we just kind of rattling them off? Uh, I think maybe maybe you give us your maybe we each give like our top two moments, your top personal top two moments in American Airlines Arena history. So personal, I would probably say, I mean. Making my debut, my NBA oh. debut, uh, is probably up there. Uh, it was a, I believe, early November game against your New York Knicks uh, at home, obviously, and checked in around, I want to say, 10 to go in the second quarter. And yeah, I mean, I'll never forget that feeling running to the scorer's table, you know, all giddy and, and ready to go. Uh, so for me, if we're going to make this personal, that's certainly up there. But uh, the other one, I could go a couple different directions with this. D-Wade's final game in there was absolutely electric. It was against Philly. I actually played in that game as well. Uh, that was kind of like a, th a throwaway game for us at that point. We were we were out of the playoffs. Uh, it was my first year. But to see the electricity in that arena, to see him get up in uh get back on the scores table in that moment was pretty special. But I, I, I alluded to this earlier in the podcast, uh, or, or should I say in a previous episode, the greatest moment was Udonis Haslam's stint this year. Wow. And I mean that. That was as exciting, as exhilarating, 
of a moment as I've ever seen in that place. To see him go toe-to-toe with Dwight Howard, to see him hit a, a patented Unanis baseline jumper, get a layup, and then after 95 seconds of action, uh, proceed to get ejected uh, was just about as special as it can get. Isn't it a thing that after like big soccer matches, you have like fans fighting and, and you know, that stuff's all going on just because there's so much adrenaline. Yeah. It felt like that was going to happen that night in AA. Like people were just so fired up. There was like, it felt like something bad was going to happen. Nothing did, but that's just the energy that that little stint uh, shot through the entire arena. I think you're alluding to those videos that I've seen of like, uh, English soccer teams opposing fan bases or actually it's not even in England always it's in like ran, like random countries oh, yeah. where they're they'll like meet in mobs on the street and people are like firing flares into the opposition uh anyways little tangent there we what, don't what, condone that behavior certainly not what are your most memorable or some of your favorite um one so if I'm gonna go one personal as well and it's not your first game played uh but your first start which I mm. think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think was against Phoenix in that first year. And why it, is that memorable to you? So here's why. I remember the, I was watching the game, the picture comes up of the starting lineup and you're in there. And I took a picture on my phone and I thought, this is such a monumental moment. Duncan is starting an NBA game. Right. This will never happen again. Correct. This, is, this, uh, will, yeah. this will never happen again. So that picture is on my phone and I just thought, this is it. Like we've made it. We've done it. Uh, for full transparency, I think it's just, it's it's good to practice full transparency. Did not think that that was going to happen again. I thought that I snapped the picture and uh, we could just, you know, we could frame that. We could, that was it. You know, that was the mountaintop. So I'm, it's just, you know, now looking back on that moment, it's pretty special. Look at where we are now. Yeah. Well, at that point, in in the likely chance, because at that point, things were looking a little grim. Uh, I appreciate you for capturing that moment um, in, in that that image. I believe we went on to lose to a 13-win Suns team. Uh, <laughs> I, I think, think that's I right. proceeded to shoot, I want to say, two of seven, two of eight from three from the floor or something. Two of six, uh, one of five from three. I've got the stats in front of me. As well as a relatively underwhelming defensive performance. Um, so of all the memories you could choose, yep, it's uh, a little disappointing you choose that one. But nonetheless, it, it sticks out to you. So I, I can't knock you for that. This is also an opportunity to let people know, for those of you that watch our videos on YouTube, when we are in our home studio, uh, which is Duncan's guest bedroom in Miami, there is a box score that hangs on the wall. And... I, I can tell this now because I don't think it's ever going to be in the background again um, because, you know, I just think it's time to, you know, we'll, we'll move on. But anyway, it is a random box score of a game from Duncan that you did not play very well in. No one really knows why it's framed, but you have it framed in your apartment. So it's just it's always a special to honor uh, those games. It's good to remember those moments. You know what I mean? I think it's not, it's a high because it's your first start, but then you play, you don't play great. It's important to remember that. I want to get out in front of Davis somehow alluding to me maybe not being in Miami moving forward. That's not at all what that was. 
there, there's been a lot of speculation, confusion. Davis, uh, or somebody, I should say, on our social media posted that, quote unquote, we're back was uh, not recently. Me. And there were a lot of people in the comments somehow putting together that that meant that I was coming back to Miami, um, which for the record, I, I would love to do, but we're also just not in the time frame where those types of, that type of news gets broken. Um, right, not even close. Like not, yeah, we're, we're about a month and a half uh, removed. So basically what I'm saying is there will be no free agency Easter eggs dropped in the podcast. Um, <laughs> now, with that being said, are there plans to have maybe some sort of an announcement you know, included in the podcast. Now that's a different story. Whoa. So make sure you, you know, like, and subscribe for future <laughs> episodes, uh, because you could, uh, you could be woke. You could be breaking news. If you're listening, listening to the long shot podcast. Correct. Um, not that we need to go down that path, but I just, I felt, you know, in, I felt like I needed to address that, 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 that could be taken out of context. Anyways, that was fun to uh, to or did you give another one? No, let me give my runs. second one. All right, do your second also, one. Also, just just to clear things up because you know this is clearly a sensitive issue for you. My reference to us not using it anymore is because you hate it, and so yes. I just think as your friend, you know, as you've alluded to earlier, we're business partners now, not friends. But every once in a while, I'll have a friend moment, and because you hate the box score so much, we can retire it. All right, fine. I don't actually hate it. it it's it's just kind of like an inside joke that nobody really understands except for <laughs> us, but whatever. Anyways, continue with your second moment. All right, my second moment. Uh, I think the obvious one is the Ray Allen shot. Like I can remember exactly where I was. It's just that's a moment that's going to be etched in my mind forever. That's low-hanging fruit. I, I, I want yeah, something I was a little say, more creative. It's too much of a low-hanging fruit. So what I'm, what I'm going to go with instead is... Dwayne Wade's dunk on Anderson Verajao. That I I I that is just a special. Uh, I don't know why that highlight is one of my favorites. I go to it frequently, actually. No, it's a it's an electrifying play. Uh, it's it's vintage flash, if you will. Still, I I felt like you could have done something a little bit more personal to you. There are some runner us. up. There are some runner ups. Like I I'm you know. Big. I was a big LeBron fan, circa 2013, 2014. Uh, so that jumper he hit in Game Seven to sort of ice the game, that little mid-range jumper yeah. with you know, I think it's under 30 seconds left. That's up there because that was like, oh my God, they're going to win another championship. You've got uh, D Wade's game winner against the Warriors. Oh, that, that you, was special. That you're a part of, right? You're that chasing him around the court. Yeah, that was. Fun. That's up there. That was. There fun. are a lot of there are a lot of great ones. To pick from no that's good stuff um anyways now that we're transitioning to, to fdx I, I guess this can be a, a shameless crypto plug uh <laughs> if there's anybody out there with any sort of competent cryptocurrency advice please feel free to slide in the long shots dms <laughs> because we're two people that are interested in it that have no idea what they're talking about we'll no leave idea. it at that let's transition to uh reddit question of the week here dave what do we got so um, it's playoff time. So it feels right that we'll just, this is a kind of a, a, a generic one, but I would love to know what final matchup you think would be the most entertaining. And this, this comes from uh, user Vacrich. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but they ask what finals matchup would be the most entertaining. So what do you think? What do you got? So I like this question and I'm going to throw out the disclaimer 
that, well, I'm going to throw out the disclaimer that this is barring both teams are fully healthy, okay? I think an incredibly interesting finals matchup would be Brooklyn and Utah. And my reasoning for those two teams is that it is, Brooklyn is everything that the general public perceives being a great modern day NBA team is. It's star power with role players. It's three guys that are going to have 25% or higher usage and everyone else is just going to kind of fill in around them. Now, on the contrary, you have Utah, which they are very anti-modern NBA, the way that they play. They get off the ball. The ball doesn't stick. It changed a little bit in the playoffs. You've seen a little bit more usage out of of someone like Donovan, uh, which isn't a bad thing, but their offense is very decentralized in that they play through a variety of guys, um, and so often they're not in ISO situations, but instead driving sprays, driving kicks. So for that reason, I think it would be just a really fascinating matchup to see those two teams square up. I think it would tell you a lot about what is winning basketball in today's NBA. And that's to say, like, I would be a believer that, like, I'm always going to be on the side of, like, quote-unquote, playing the right way, sharing the ball, moving the ball is the way to play. Now, with that being said, those guys in Brooklyn have a lot of star power. So that doesn't mean that I think Utah would necessarily beat them, but I think it would be just a really interesting contrast of styles. Wait, so give us give us your pick. Who who do you think wins that matchup? I mean, as much as I just gave Utah all that, all that <laughs> love, I also just watched Kevin Durant. Correct. Yeah. Just single-handedly right. uh, basically carry a team to, to victory over a really good Bucks team. So... I think I would probably take Brooklyn in that matchup, but I think it would be a really good series. Is my point? Yeah, what do you I got? don't. I don't know if you can bet against Kevin Durant after no. what. I mean, I think he's sort of solidifying himself as the greatest yes. player in the world again because I think he was doing that two years ago as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think Utah and Brooklyn would be fascinating. I'm going to go a different direction though. I'm going to go Phoenix against. I like Mil- Phoenix. I'm going to go Phoenix Milwaukee. Because you have the narrative of Chris Paul trying to win a championship. If they make it to the finals, you have to think he's back by then. Well, again, we don't really know what's going on with his COVID protocols, but you've got CP3. This is his window, it seems like, trying to win a championship against the Bucks, who haven't been able to get it done. If they have any year to get it done, it also feels like this is the one. Their window might be open. So it's sort of like two teams with legacy on the line. Windows open now. Can you get it done? So I think if you've got those two facing off, it would be fascinating. And I I really like Phoenix. I think they are rolling. I'm also a little bit of a homer now because we just had an awesome conversation with Mikhail. But uh, Phoenix, Milwaukee, that's what I'm going with. For the record, I really like Phoenix as well. Um, I don't know, man. It sounds like you really like Utah. Well, I, that felt a little kind of like ESPN first take-ish where you just took the opposite of my stance, which is like <laughs> kind of disingenuous. And that now I feel like that was my of- answer. I kind of feel like you're fracturing and fragmenting the relationship that we've built with our our listeners as we're like honest, tell it like it is journalists. Don't do this. Anyways, um, let's, let's transition. We're going to, we're going to speed it up here because we do have a great conversation coming with coming up with Mikel. Uh, Let's go to the long shot feature. This one is fantastic. All timer. Maybe uh, we've had some great stories. 
this might be my favorite to date. And it's a little bit of a di- different direction. In fact, right. it's it's as different of a direction as one could possibly go. Correct. Really. But it just shows the lengths that you can extend being a long shot. Being you a know, long shot. I think shot. all of us have long shot stories. Now, all of us certainly don't have this story, but I right. think all of us have long shot stories. So if you don't know the name Michael Packard, get to know it. Because my guy is a commercial lobsterman diver. He dives for lobster off of Cape Cod in Massachusetts. That's your territory. That is my territory. Uh, the, the great Northeast. Beautiful time. Uh, beautiful time of year up here uh, this summer. Anyways, Michael Packard was recently eaten by a whale. You heard that correctly. He was eaten by a whale and lived to tell the story. Now, when that man is inside of a whale's mouth, literally eaten by a whale, and somehow makes his way out, I I think that is the purest form of a long shot. I think at that point when you're in a whale's mouth, it's like, this is done. This is over. It it doesn't really make sense. Uh, And uh, Jason Gallagher actually doesn't believe that the story's true. I just want to put that out there also. Uh, Are you on the hoax bandwagon? (laughs) I don't think I'm on the hoax bandwagon, but I will admit that it doesn't really make sense. The, The way he tells the story is he's diving, he feels like he just like this push and everything goes black and then he's feeling around and what he, he says is he initially thought it was a great white shark that he had been bitten or eaten and his body was just in shock. But then he's feeling around and doesn't feel any teeth. So then he realizes it, it must be a whale. Like that's the only logical explanation. And then another push, light, he sees some light and he's back out. It's just, it, uh, yeah, uh, just ridiculous. Honestly, don't have many words to under, to explain what's going on there. Also, we're laughing because this guy's okay. Obviously getting eaten by a whale is not funny, but it's yeah. just so ridiculous that it's hard to comprehend. I mean, it's, it's great news to hear that he didn't suffer any major injuries. I think he had some soft tissue stuff and maybe a, a knee injury. Um, but nonetheless, it's almost like you take those injuries if you can now go around and tell the story that you were eaten by a whale. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? Because that is like, I mean, that's just like the ultimate conversation starter. I don't even know if it needs to be a conversation starter as much as he's probably known as the whale guy now. Right. Everybody Correct. should know him as the whale guy now. Correct. And um, I believe he says he's getting right back to diving. Love it. No fear. I don't know if I'd get back in the water. Right in, right back to the belly of the beast. No pun intended. Um all right. Well, that's awesome. Shout out to Michael Packard for that. As we uh, alluded to earlier, don't worry. We're not we're not dodging or avoiding anything. We're gonna we're gonna talk at length um, about the season, about the Miami Heat, about our our first round playoff matchup, as well as you know more details about the summer um, next week. But we really just wanted to get to this conversation with Mikhail because it's a great one, uh, in my opinion. One of the the best people in the league, but also one of the best young players um, who has a ton of potential on both ends of the floor. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy this one. We now welcome in a two-time national champion, as much as that hurts me to say, a 2018 AP All-American 2018 Julius Irving Award winner that's given out to the best small forward in college basketball, the 10th overall pick in the 2018 NBA draft. Yet, even with all of these accolades, I still believe him to be one of the most underappreciated, underrated players uh, in the entire league. 
But now he is finally getting the flowers he deserves. He is a key piece on a red-hot Suns team who recently punched their ticket to the Western Conference Finals. Mikel, welcome to the Long Shot Podcast. Oh, Ducker, man. I appreciate you. Appreciate you guys having me, man. No, 100%. Uh, I'm just going to start right off the, the bat here. I want to talk Suns basketball. Obviously, you guys uh, got it rolling right now with the uh, the sweep uh, in uh, in Denver here, finishing up the other day. Uh, talk to me a little about the the energy in the locker room and kind of like how how it's feeling coming into uh, the Western Conference Finals here. Yeah, um, shoot, we just like like with you like you've been there, just excited, you know, happy to be here, but um, knowing that we got more work to do. So um, there's a lot of us first time in the playoffs and so obviously our first time being here and we got some other vets that's been here before and two of our main vets that never won a championship yet and are dying for one so we just got all these type of guys that are hungry for one who's all in different parts of their career so um it's dope man it's just it's fun we got everybody loves each other everybody cracks jokes on each other so it reminds me of a college team for real that's awesome. Um, you know, you mentioned this is your your first playoff run. I'm curious because because last year I kind of went through this. I remember before I had played in a playoff game, the only thing I would hear about is how the playoffs are different. And that's all anyone wants to talk about is like, oh, you know, well, that's not going to work in the playoffs or this person's going to get played off the floor in the playoffs. I'm curious if you've experienced that uh, this year in particular, and if there's anything specific that you've really noticed that changes, you know, once you transition from regular season to the playoffs. Yeah. So for me, honestly, with our team and how we're a coach and I mean, you definitely can speak on it too. You know it, especially because I know so much and hearing about like Miami way and how you guys do everything daily throughout the off season, regular season. So Personally, for us, just with Coach Monty and how he gets things going, like, it just felt like another game, you know? Just, like, we played the right way the whole year. And I think nothing changes for us. So when we came out there and played, it was no, we have to change this or change that. Like, we've been playing hard. Some teams, maybe with older vets that know, like, all right, they don't play every single game in a regular season, and they know when to, you know, turn it on, you know? But for us, we were all pretty much young besides, you know, couple of best like CP and Jay still pretty young. It's just, we was on go throughout the whole regular season and kept the same energy when we got to, to the playoffs. But I just think the only thing I know for real that really got different in the playoffs is just the physicality. And it's just, you could, especially you just late game or full quarter times when it starts getting real tight, you can start bumping people, hitting people, you ain't getting, Trust me, I already don't get I already don't get calls driving. So true. I hear you on that. Yeah, you you know, you know, you know. <laughs> so added to it in the fourth, it's like you I really have no chance of even getting a call. So you just gotta you gotta play a little bit smarter and and know your kind of know your your role and know what what you can get and what you can't get. Do you guys notice that games are refed differently? Like, is, is there a different approach to these playoff games from the refs? I think I think they know it's the playoffs. I think because just players, you know, even if we get a foul or something, it's always like, if it's a vet, they're like, come on, man, like, it's the playoffs. Like, why are you calling that? So the refs kind of know, like, all right, we could be more physical. They're being more physical. But, um, but yeah, that's def it's definitely that. The refs definitely know it's the playoffs. But 
And sometimes you get you. But I'm telling you, it depends, man. You young, you touch a guy, they might call it, and you be looking like, hey, man, I thought, Crazy. Play. I thought, we, I thought we could get aggressive too. Like, no, <laughs> only certain amount of people can get away with some of that stuff. And just a part of the game, man, you, you'll realize as you just – you keep playing it's just crazy it's crazy it, it's funny man because they'll still call like the ticky tack technical like hand checks you know if they see someone bump someone they'll still call that but then there's these areas on the floor where i swear you can just get away with murder like anything bro. the ball the ball goes up in the playoffs it is just a, a war man like like all bets are off I, I don't know if you feel the same way but offensive and defensive rebounding in the playoffs is, is a totally different animal Oh yeah, I mean, I was watching um, I was watching a game last night, the Brooklyn and uh, Bucks game, and yes. if y'all know if you saw, but it was at the end, and who shot the? I think Giannis. Giannis. The, yeah, Giannis hit the first one, missed the second, and Blake Griffin literally just like got PJ Tucker in a lock, like right in front of the ref. I'm like, bro, if I did that, I just I pick I put myself in situations like, if I did that, that is like. My ass might get thrown out the damn game if I did something like that. So I'm like, damn, PJ going crazy, snapping at the ref. I'm like, bro, I feel you. But stuff like that, you can get away with. Exactly. I, I think also it's like refs get a better feel for refing like time and score, especially in the mm -hmm. playoffs, because no ref wants to be that guy who's who's blowing the whistle and basically fucking up the flow of the game. Um, sure. Or like a, or a phantom foul call off the ball. Like, so I, I think that, like people had always said before I played in a playoff game, that the last four minutes of a regular season game kind of has that feel of a playoff game, but it's the whole game. And yeah. that just means the last four minutes of a playoff game are taken to just an entirely different yeah. level. Especially when you get a game five like it was last night. I mean, that yeah. was just super. I know exactly what player you're talking about. Um, Blake just, ra like, just wrapped up PJ uh, just because it's like – it's so physical and so strong, but it's like if you're a ref too at the same time, you can't call everything at, at that stage sure. in the game because uh, then all of a sudden you're making the game about you. But anyways, I, I want to ask you about the the perceptive synergy that you guys have as a group because I even I remember playing you guys this year just seeing the way you guys offensively share the ball, uh, defensively are connected. But then even above that, like I think a huge part of great teams is like celebrating other people's success. And that's yeah. something that I really acknowledge with you guys as as being really genuine. Um, yeah. Has that been something that's escalated this year or have you felt that since you've been in the league there or, or what is it? Yeah, and I, I think that, that's, why I always, that's why I said it kind of reminds me of a college team because, you know, in college, you know, you wish you with everybody every day, you live together. So you get, that's like your best friend. So when somebody scores, you're going to be all hyped for them. So I think it really started in a bubble. We went 8 0, and there's no crowd. This is the first, this is like the first time we're going through this. So it's like, you know, that whole environment is really like, it's, it's, it'd be dead quiet if nobody said anything. But our bench in the preseason game, I remember, I think we were playing. I think Toronto and what Toronto won a chip the year before, right? Yeah, yeah won, won it a year before. And you kind of tell it's a preseason game. So obviously, you know, you know how we, you know, how NBA dudes, they, they get cool sometimes, you know, somebody scored it, but like, okay, whatever. Us, we was on other than like, bro, 
we just got here. We had an opportunity. You know, like they're thinking of bigger things. They're thinking of playoffs. We're thinking about we we have to go eight and zero, and it's still not a possibility of us making the playoffs or getting that playing game. So like every game matters, even preseason. So I remember we were scoring, and you could hear the bench like as soon as you make a shot or something, screaming ah like the whole like you like oh that's us. Then like up then like they will score, and it's just like you know yeah good to be scored okay whatever preseason. So from the jump from now, I'm like, okay, we got something special coming in now. And then each game we keep winning, keep winning. Everybody's excited for each other. Um, you know, it's tough if people don't play, but even the players that are not playing, they out there yelling, screaming like, like they were out there. So it's, it was it was pretty dope. And then we just brought it into this year, just kept that that vibe and culture, added new players, and then and just kept going with it. Yeah, I mean, so you guys rolling in the bubble, it was obvious that there was momentum that was building from that. But then the part you just skip over is in the summer, you also get a guy like CP3 that comes and joins your locker room. We've talked a little bit on on this podcast of like Jimmy Butler. We've talked like Tom Brady. There are certain guys in sports that are part of a locker room and then immediately it's like, oh, okay, we have a real chance to compete for a championship or to have real success. Can you just sure. talk a little bit about what it's like when a guy like that joins your team? Yeah. I mean, shoot. When, once we got the news that he was coming here, it's like, all right, now we're, you know, last year was in that bubble area. It was like, all right, we're trying to make the playoffs, trying to, you know, Suns haven't made the playoffs in X amount of years, trying to finally make it there. But now we get CP. It's like, all right, we could take this to a whole nother level. You know, it's not just, sneak in there maybe like just make the playoffs and be you know be happy about it it was like i'm looking at this team with cp and jay and the rest of the guys we had knowing how everybody worked in the offseason i'm looking around like shit like we could we could win this whole thing for real if we really we stay together and this is before we even i even got close to cp and, and jay etwan everybody it was like hold on we could maybe win this and um i mean you can even see in the press conference and interviews before the season even started, everybody's saying, what's the goal? And, you know, I said the ultimate goal is to be the last team standing. And I said that from we even play one game yet. And it's shit, we're eight games away from that. So it's just um, it's unbelievable. But de- definitely when CP got here, it was like, all right, we, we have a big chance. And I know what what's on his head. Everybody knows what's on CP's mind. He's not in here just to – make the damn playoffs. He's been to playoffs every year of his career. He's not here just to, okay, make the playoffs. We're okay. Like, I did my job. Like, he's here for a ring. He knows he's getting old. He don't got one yet, and he need one. So, he, he know what type of time it is. Um, I'm curious about CP as a as a leader. Um, obviously, you know, you watch him play and see the way he controls the pace of the game. And I think that's something that I've learned as a young player that's super – underappreciated from from great players is how they control the pace like first thing comes to mind with cp is like as soon as it's a bonus he's getting that swipe through every time every every and it's like and people don't realize how how much that impacts those like little pivotal stretch stretches of winning but i'm 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 more curious about maybe like your relationship with him and how as like an emerging young player he's either like held you accountable or given you you know like like giving you life and, and confidence um, and how he's kind of navigated that relationship with you. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, CP, like, he's got a real close, funny, like, big brother, little brother relationship. It's just always saying he's an old head, always make fun of him being old and stuff. And, um, but he gets on me, man. He, like, that's the thing about C, like, when you're hooping, he lets you know when you're hooping. Like, he he gives you that com- that confidence. He gives you the ball. He Every time you touch it, you're about to shoot. He's yelling, like, cash before you even let like before you even let it go so you even in your mind like oh he give me ball he I, this dude might be at my feet and i'm shooting it. he's still thinking like cash like i'm like oh yeah i'm hell yeah this, this shit going in yeah <laughs> don't let that bitch fly so uh so he just gives the confidence and then when you even if you're doing something on the other end and you 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 bullcrapping around like he gonna he'll be the first person to tell you like what is you doing um i remember i got tired of him i told TNT crew before game four in Denver. I had like a little interview before the tip off and they would ask me about CP. And I told him that one of the games in LA in the playoffs, he kind of hinted at me about Garden Braun. It was taking a shot at me saying like I was, I was being soft and that shit got me tight and I was really pissed off. And I was like, like, okay, like bet. Like, and I know he's doing that to get exactly the same, to get that reaction to see like, Oh, but you think I'm soft? Watch I go out there. And put somebody on the ass. Like, that's what he's wanting me to do. He's not doing it just because, like, he wants to be a dick. He's not doing it just like, you know, I'm just going to say it because I don't like him. No, he's doing it just to get the best out of you. And we and we do it on the other end. If I tell C he's bullshitting on defense, he's going to come to the huddle and be like, he gonna, and the thing is, he's going to keep addressing like, Kel, you're right. Like, the mop, damn, that's my fault. Like, Kel, NBO, like, two minutes ago, like, we said it. It's all right. I'm on to the next thing. He'd be like, Kel. Yeah, I, sh- I knew I should have. He was in a post. I should have. My man, that's my fault. He shouldn't have hit that. That's my fault. And he keep talking about because he generally cares and he knows that I'm on him because I want to win as well. So once you have a guy like that where you know that he could give you the confidence to get on you and you could also get on him as well and he's not going to take it to heart, it's, it's, I'm telling you, it's easy. It's, it's, it's amazing. I, I think it's, it's relatable for me in, in the, the same context as somebody like Jimmy where they mm-hmm. gain credibility as a, as a leader when you feel like you can go back at them as well and that it's sure. not just one direction all the time, uh, you know, like all, all this shit rolling downhill onto the younger players or, or like we're like younger players are always just going to be a scapegoat. But instead, having those types of dialogues that if you're a fly on the wall for some of those conversations, you're like – these dudes are crazy going at each other, each other, but it's like, but at the end of the day, when you know you're in it, it's just about winning, um, which obviously you guys have done at a high level, particularly lately. Um, I want to talk about that, that matchup with LeBron for you personally. I mean, you're probably giving up what 60 pounds, uh, 50 Jeez. pounds, something Hell like yeah. that. Um, you just look at the the matchup. You got, you got Jay guarding AD, you guarding LeBron, it, when you look at it on paper, it appears to be like a mismatch. But the way you guys play, the way you guys cover for each other, uh, fly around on both ends, I think a lot of people thought that the Lakers were at least going to put up more than what they did. And, and injuries are what they are, part of the game, whatever. But I got to imagine going into that series, you guys had, despite what it looked like, extreme confidence um, in, in, in your guys' ability to, to come together and, and take care of business. Yeah, man, we... We knew how tough it was going to be. And, you know, you play guy like LeBron, guy like AD, that that whistle, that whistle, you're going to be like, Ooh. you're hearing that whistle a lot. You're that, 
a whistle coming down, like, hey, man, I got – he got damn near 50 pounds on me. He got six inches on uh, – AD got six inches on somebody else. Like, why he get – they used to hear that whistle. So, and uh, and that's what – that was the biggest – I think that was the one of the toughest things, no one coming in, like, beware of that. And you know how it goes. You If you, you think there's going to be a foul call going mostly every time somebody's driving at you, how are you going to start guarding them? You're going to start like, now that, now that shit is you're easy. Like, yeah, you're dead now, yeah. Especially yeah, with someone like that because he's, he's eating up space and he's already at the dots by the time you even get a bump in. Yeah. Bro, it's, it's over. So I think the fact is us staying poised, staying together, and none of us being a, none of us being afraid of the moment. None of us being like, yeah, we know that's that's LeBron, that's AD. Like they they human, man. They ain't no, we know they gonna be LeBron go down one of the best players ever. AD All Star gonna be Hall of Famer one day. Like just won a chip last year. Like we ain't gonna back down. So that's why I think the biggest thing where nobody was backing down from the from the matchup and from the bump, and we was just we was getting just getting right to it. I want to ask about your game now personally um, and, and kind of the career arc and the development that you've made over your three years. I think so much, or at least what I've learned in, in my short time playing professionally is so much of it is about confidence, situation, and, and opportunity. What is it about, is it just obviously you're, a ton of credit to you and the habits that you probably have uh, and, and you handle your business every day, but the the situation around you that's that's allowed you to flourish and and become the player that you are and, and everyone's seeing uh like that impacts winning every night yeah uh, i think it really it starts it starts with money um i think just him giving confidence in myself for him to go out there and you know be aggressive you know take shots hunt shots and make the right play so once i know you know the coach give you confidence um, it's just it's, it's it gets easier for you. you. Get it's easy to give yourself confidence knowing that your coach is willing for let you just go out there and hoop. You know, like you just don't you don't gotta think you gotta think that you know we have CP book, DA like you just like just stay in this corner and like no do what you do like you work on your game do stuff that people might not think that you do in a game and you do it and you hit it it's like you know you feel good it's like ah oh, I'm confident so it really Coach Monty man he. He's the one that really helped me just mentally up there, just just staying with it and just being confident on that end. Because on the other end, I'm always confident. I feel like, you know, I feel like guarding people is just like, that. It, it comes second nature to me. It's easier for me, you know? So I ain't a guy with the damn ball pounding a hundred times, ball screen. Like, that's not that's not who I am. And I just, so I think just find that, that uh, confidence on the opposite end, you know, it's, it's definitely me, but it's all started from Coach Monty. Defense being easy is such a foreign concept to me. I like definitely I'm, to me too. I'm trying to process <laughs> what you just said. Yeah, defense, defense <laughs> coming naturally. I'm still just trying to process what that even means. Yeah, that that legitimately makes no sense to me. Defense <laughs> coming easy. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I guess it's gift, bro. I got long ass arms. I was man. gonna say, look out. What is your what is your wingspan? Like seven two. Yeah, so I got measured during pre-draft. I was seven, two and a half. Oh my! So what's your standing reach? Shit, I just—it should be like 
11, 12. <laughs> nah, nah, it's got to be nine something. It's got to be nine. It's like, is it, would it be like. Are there, nine? are there downsides to having incredibly <laughs> long arms that like gets overlooked? Yeah. You know what it is? Getting, getting your hand in that damn cookie jar when motherfuckers go to the foul line, <laughs> swipe through your arm. Like, my arm was all the way over there. Like, how do you get my arm? Like, I was just kind of to help. But he just, a guy like Harden, he was, them arms, I'll be out here. He has from A to B to swipe. He could just find it somewhere. So it's tough playing guys like that that, that search for contact, especially with your arms. You kind of got to like keep them, keep them away, keep them. It's just tough. That's the only thing. That's the only down. I would downplay my arms, only things like that. Talk to us about uh, draft night for a second. You're, you're taking 10th overall. I remember watching and immediately thinking when you get taken to Philly, I'm like, oh, it's the perfect match. Obviously, you're super familiar with the area, um, grew up around there, played college around there. And not to mention, they like really needed like a, a, a long wing defender that could shoot and it almost like fit. Sure. Did you know Did you know before when you got drafted that you were getting sent to Phoenix? Hell no. Oh, so Hell you no. so you thought bro, you were staying home. Bro, I thought it was only it was really really two teams. And you know you know how it go. I'm looking at spots as like as where I'm gonna go. I'm thinking I'm like I'm looking like where, where I'm aiming in my pre-draft workout stuff. I'm like, all right, if I go to New York, I'm gonna live here. I'm probably oh. if I go to Philly, I'm gonna probably live, I'm gonna live. Center City, like, you know, you start thinking little things like that before you get there. You think like you, the, the real quick. So Duncan doesn't know what that's like. I neither of us know what that's like. <laughs> neither, neither of us that you're talking to right now know what that's like. Just for the record, but continue. I was, I was figuring out, you know, which team I was gonna have to fly to to play summer league with. That, that's the only <laughs> thing that was on my mind is how do I get just on the floor somewhere in summer league or even a summer league training camp. I was the last thing on my mind <laughs> was talking about spots. My fault, bro, my fault, bro, my but go ahead, continue. My fault, bro. <laughs> you good? Continue. You get, this, the, you lottery get pick problems, man. Lottery yeah, pick problems. That's, you know? Yeah, that's our problems right there. Yeah. Trying to figure out where you're going to live, bro. But um, to go back to the damn Phoenix. Hell no! I thought I was either going to New York, I was going to Philly, and um, that's where I thought I was going to go. And then the funny thing is, the funny thing is. I was, with, I was with my girlfriend not too long ago. I think it was the day before the draft. I don't know, a couple, a couple days before the draft. And we were just talking. And I ran him, bro. I was like, I was like, you know what? This shit going to be crazy. Like, what if I even go to, like, what if I just randomly go to a spot like, like Phoenix? Like, what if I just go to Phoenix? Oh. I just randomly said it. Knowing in my head there's no way in hell I'm going to Phoenix. I'm just saying that, like, <laughs> oh, what if I go to Phoenix? Like, no, motherfucker, I'm not going to Phoenix. Who cares? Like, I can just say it to make it sound good, but I, I ain't going there. I'm going to Philly. I'm going to New York. Or maybe a playoff team is going to maybe trade. Maybe a Spurs, right, right. Denver, somebody might trade. Okay, I'm like, right, I'm cool. No, bro. I got drafted, put the hat on. I was hyped. Did the interviews with Philly, like you do oh, with the media. No. The Philly media. Think about, I'm in that Philly media room like this with my hat on. I know goddamn 80% of people in the room because they go to all the Nova games. They... Since I was in high school, I know everybody, all the physical media. So I'm like, yeah, what's this? My people's. I'm like, what's up? I'm alone. Man, oh, cool. man. I walk out that room, and um, one one of the people that was um, 
was taking me like door to door and stuff, doing our media stuff. She used to work for, um, she used to work for Coach Wright and Villanova. She worked like in the offices, like when we was at school. So I knew her. I'm like, oh shit, like I'm like, this is like perfect. Like right. she brought, like she take me everywhere. I know her, somebody I know. I'm going to Philly. I'm lit. She take we started walking and then they like stopped me, and they started like kind of talking, and I'm like just over listening. I can kind of see in the face like she's like she's like, damn. Like I can tell like she's like I'm like what's happening? She's like, hold up. We're like, you know, they got, they like listening. And then I like all this moment and I hear trade. I just hear trade. Uh-oh. And I really like nudged in. I said, hold up. No, like what, what the hell? Like what's happening? I heard the word trade. They were like, uh, we're just trying to figure out. I think, um, they just got traded to Phoenix. I was like, it's not playing with me, bro. I'm like, hey, <laughs> Jason, I'm like, all right, Ashley Kutcher, bro. Come on, man. They play with me, bro. No way I go to goddamn Phoenix. So I'm sitting there and they're like, yeah, it went through. I'm like, he's like, you're going to feed. So they switched the damn hat and gave me a feed. Oh, no. And I, and I don't have my phone, my phone. Sorry, this is, this is, this is lottery, lottery. Yeah, lottery <laughs> problems <laughs> once again. My fault, bro. Go I ahead. Left my, phone, left my phone on the table in the green, like in our little, the table or the green room set. Like I left my phone yeah. on the table with my family. Like, so I left the phone there. Like, I'm going to be right back. Go to Philly and come back. Left it there. Then I was like, oh, no, I got to call my mom. So I asked for one of the people's phone, like, type my mom's number and called her. and was like, did you see what happened? She was like, yeah, like, you good? I'm like, yeah, like, you good? She's like, yeah, like, I'm like, oh, bad. My mom cool with it. I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. <laughs> so I just went through all that stuff, seeing everybody get drafted, like, Miles got drafted 12, I think. And I saw him. Um, he dapped me up. was like, yeah, bro, we saw that shit when you, right when you left, like right when you got picked and like, like 20 seconds later, we saw like you get traded and stuff. So it was like, I said, damn, bro, it's just crazy. It's crazy to see how much has changed about Phoenix since that day. I mean, I, I remember there, and there's a handful of organizations, right. That's like pretty well known across the league where it's like, you don't really want to go there like honestly (laughs) like 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 just speaking candidly like they just have bad reputations for whatever reason and it's crazy to think that at one point phoenix was firmly right in the mix with those Mm -hmm. and now to see where you guys have come in in such a short time uh is is incredible and and it's a combination of obviously you have the the uh the vets coming in to, to make a difference but you guys have a big time youth movement as well uh, DeAndre Ayton has been incredible this playoffs. I think that's somebody that like everybody sees the the crazy potential that he has. What about his game have you seen recently that's like maybe it's his habits or his work ethic, whatever he's doing that's that's allowed him to kind of take it to another level? I just think I think just his work ethic is just going up, you know, um just coming in. Uh I think, you know, he's young. I don't think he had the best work ethic. Um, I know coming out of high school and stuff, I didn't. And I, I got a work, work ethic coming through college, doing four years of college. You 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 have no damn choice but get a damn work ethic if you want to play and, you know, survive that whole thing, playing in college at the highest level. So um, I gained mine throughout college. Um, so, you know, him being being known, being known one pick and stuff, you know, imagine that. Like, I always think about people in that situation. Why it's tough. I'm like, you never know what it's feel like to be 
told when you're in middle school that you're going to be number one pick? Like, how you, how would I, how, what would I do? I'd be like, walk around goddamn every day. Like, I'm, I'm the man. I'm going number like one. Like that, yeah. Give me five years. I'll be number <laughs> one pick. So, I, it, I think that was something that he lacked. And then now, just as he's getting mature, mature every year and knowing, you know, like, we want to win and he wants to win. This is every day. I think that's that's what really changed in him where he's every day coming in and working, learning. And obviously we play around a lot, but he's he'd be more locked in than I thought he would have been. And it, it's it's crazy. And he is shown on the court. We've uh, we've we've referenced your two national championships, Mikel, but I want to ask about the second one. Um would. You would, too. You would be the one. You would be the one. So for, for those that don't know, uh, Villanova beat Michigan in the national championship. I think um, be, I think to say they beat us is a severe <laughs> understatement. They they rinsed us. I mean, it was – it got ugly really there. Dante fought, bro. Dante fought. Oh, man. Him, I, I still got night, nightmares of Dante, that, that game. Was, that's crazy. That's kind of what I wanted to ask about. You guys steamrolled everybody, really. I don't think there was a game – Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there was a game in the single digits. I think you guys beat everybody by 10-plus. Just how confident were you guys on that run? It felt like nobody was going to touch you. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to get – Duncan not going to like the part I'm going to say in a couple minutes, but but the whole thing, um, I think after we played – after we played, well, West Virginia, you know, my boy JC, Javon Carter's on my team, like one of my closest friends now, but I think after we played them – it was like, that's going to be one of our toughest games, you know, like how they, the pressure they was putting, the physicality, the full court, like them dudes, they get away with goddamn murder. They be hacks. I tell JC is a hack. They get away because they press, they play defense. So the ref is like, they're just playing hard. They're playing physical defense. They're not thinking like they're hacking goddamn 60% of the time. So they let things go. Um, but I think they were the ones that got us, you know, after we beat them, it's like, all right, that was like, our toughest that's might that might be our toughest game until like the final four or something. We played Texas Tech, they played well defensively. We was just missing uh we should really blown them out. I'm not gonna talk about it now. We should really bomb them. Because <laughs> their defense because Texas Tech was known for the defense, but they like they get it was giving us threes and you don't want to do that against us. And we was really tight that we was all missing and we should really bomb them, but because they couldn't score. They could not. They could not score. And their best player, he was hurt. He was playing with a, with Evans, I think. He was playing with like a foot injury. Like he really shouldn't be playing, and so it was making it tough. But um, we beat them and go to Final Four. This is where the part Duncan's not gonna like. Go to Final Four? No, we was either gonna play Kansas or Duke. Kansas ended up winning. Uh, knew it was gonna be tough, but we just got hot from three. <laughs> Once we beat Kansas, we saw the other side. It was like, okay. We're all in Chicago. Goddamn Michigan. I'm like, motherfucker, we already won the goddamn chip. Wait, hold on. That's not fair. Come on, man. We had it rolling. What are you talking about? We don't give a damn. We had it rolling. You're you're talking crazy over there. I'm I'm saying as a player, bro, we beat all all these West Virginia, Texas Tech, Kansas, and you got Loyola, Chicago, and a high-rated Michigan like that. Y'all just got hot. At the, I'm like, oh, 
Hell no, they got no chance. Wow. Listen, I'm I'm wow. I'm here for the Loyola shade, but I, I won't stand for the Michigan shade. That that you you crossed the line with that one. Uh, I will say, like, you guys had so much firepower, it was it was ridiculous. And it's like one of those things where like there was no way all of you guys weren't going to play well. So one of you guys was going to be going Two of you guys probably was going to be going. And then it just so happened against us. It was damn near everybody. Uh, And it was the opposite for us. I can't believe we're still talking about this game because it's like, I don't don't know if you know, if you remember this, I didn't score straight goose egg. Uh, My my last college game. Yeah. Brutal man. Uh, And at that point I thought I was done. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm headed over to, to Latvia to play for you know 500 a week uh I didn't I didn't think I was gonna be in the NBA so that was really like that was my Super Bowl yeah you guys had you know you with your All-American and and Dante going first round and you going first round and Amari going first round everyone's first round I'm over there just you know trying to get by um but yeah that motivated you bro maybe that motivated you just added to the chip maybe like Never let this shit happen again. I'm about to be on some shit. And that's what happened. Dunkin' 100%. Don't that's True why I bring story. it up. We can laugh about it now. I wouldn't bring it kind up of. if Dunkin' was playing it's, in Latvia. It's, it still hurts a little bit. Okay, I'm sorry, bro. I didn't mean to bring that up, bro. No, it's all right, man. It's, you know what? I asked the question, so I'll take the blame. The goose egg is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> bro, you're telling me. Hey, bro. Stop. I, I, got, a, I got a story for you. I've been, I've been in that situation. My junior, my the year before, we won a chip. The year before we won a chip, the second time I was in my junior year. Um, second round we played Wisconsin. But it was Wisconsin second round. And there's no way in hell they should be a goddamn eight seed. Them off. It was like yeah, Nigel. Nice. Yeah. yeah, they 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 was just it was just bullshit in the regular season. You know, they was old. It was just like whatever. It was them, Koenig, all of them. It was nice. End up playing a one eight. And I ain't score. And Nigel Hayes gave me with like less than like 10, like I think 10 seconds of the game with a basket. Oh, bro. Oh, 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 bro. Goddamn. Felt like it was the end of the world after that. Like, and think about it. That's a I long got, summer after that. That's a long, long summer. Long summer, man. And people were talking about like maybe like the NBA and stuff, like for me, but I wasn't like, I wasn't thinking that. I knew like, I wasn't I – was, I probably averaged 10 that year, but they were thinking about just, like, defense. But I was like, I don't feel comfortable going to NBA. I want to, like, at least have an opportunity to be, like, a, a scorer. You know, I have an opportunity to have, like, the ball in my hands. Like, we had Josh, Jalen, and Chris Jenkins that really had the, the ball a lot. So, but that was, like, the ice on kick, like, yeah, he ain't – out. he's not – we're not going to even, even think about his ass going to NBA now. His ass got to go back to school, so – I was, it was a long summer, bro. It was a long summer. I'm telling you, bro. You, uh, you improved so much over your college career. I, you go from being a redshirt to, like you said, being a, a key piece on that first national championship team, 10 a game or whatever it was the next year, and then an All-American, and once again, as we've covered, a, a national champion again. <laughs> what do you attribute that improvement to? You, you mentioned your work ethic, but like for, for young players maybe listening – uh, what is there something that that you kind of learned in that journey of improvement uh, as as like a big time separator for you? For that, I think it's just like just working hard, man. I think just enjoying like the process and it's not rushing it. I know 
you know, I wasn't highly rated coming out. You know, I just I wasn't thinking I'm gonna be two and done, one and done. You know, I just got it. I just want to get better as a player. You know, I just that's why I wanted to improve. I knew you can improve. You just work on your game every single year. You know, just be better than you were the year before. Just keep getting better. And I think people try to overthink it so much. I'm like, it's not really that hard. You just gotta, you just gotta want it. You just gotta want to work hard. You want to put in the work and and get better every year and not not be happy where you're at. So that's what I think the biggest thing is. It is I make it sound so simple because I, I I promise you it's that simple. It's just I, obviously I was blessed to be in a position at Nova and great coaching staffs and coaches that are willing to push you and strength uh our trainers willing to push you as well and um it's made it it made it easier for me but you know they're everywhere there's coaches like that everywhere they want they want to see guys succeed and get better so you know when they when they players look better shit they look good so you know how they go they gonna want players to get better so I think just every day you know especially them summers and at, at Nova I don't know about Michigan the did y'all you had to do both summer sessions? One was optional, but but most guys stayed for both, honestly. Stay both. So like yeah. we had to do both. So I think those are always that summer and them summer sessions like is that where guys get better. You just gotta you just gotta work hard, man. Be in a gym longer and at night. You, I'm on campus, there's nobody on campus. This shit. Like, what are you gonna do? Like there's nothing you really gonna do. And you as I got older, and when you even have classes, you only get you only have like one class each yeah. each summer session so you're not you don't got that much work it's not like you have like three four classes like you do when the school starts back up so just have a lot of time on your hand and just use it wisely you uh you talk about the consistent work i i always tell people to like to just start like showing up in and of itself can be a, a superpower like just continuing to show up and i think that that like remind me or correct me if I'm wrong on this, but you have not missed a game. Is this since high school? Yeah. Or middle school? Middle school? That's crazy. That's crazy though, because like when you talk about opportunity and, and durability, like being able to to consistently show up is like is such a skill. Especially when I see it in the NBA, like Guys are, are, are always out because of nicks and bruises. And that's not to say that they shouldn't be sitting out. You got to take care of your body. But there's also something to be said about somebody that's that's literally there night in and night out doing their job. And that's that's been you since you were, what, damn near 12? <laughs> Shit. It's been a long time, man. <laughs> you need a vacation, man. <laughs> Wait, we not did yet. Not yet. Off season, bro. <laughs> Why'd you miss the high school game? What happened? So, um... We was we played in the final four. So um, it's different each state, but we got districts. And then once you make it far districts, and then it starts getting your placement for states. It's like where are you gonna place? So we went to the final four districts, got bombed by Low Marion. Then they, they ended up winning state championship that year. Um and so we had like a constellation game, basically for third place of districts. Shit don't mean nothing. It's like, bro, I want to like, but, but I was, I was, I was sick. I got sick, but like, I was uh -huh, good to go. Sick with quotation I was, marks. I was sick, but I guess my, my coaches knew if we would have won that game, 
our road to states will be a, a way more harder <laughs> if if we were just lost. Uh, oh, if we no. lost. If we would have lost. It would been a, we could have went a little bit further. And I remember I was like, Coach, like I'm. He's like, No, just get ready. You know, this and that, blah blah. And you know, at the time, you know, I'm not thinking that. I'm not thinking. Oh, Coach, I'm like, shit. All right. He just, I guess, he wants me to. So I just, I stayed at home. I even he told me not even come to the game. He said, just rest, like stay your ass a bit. I won't Facetime. My friends in the goddamn student section, like they're like, <laughs> show me, like, you know, I'm like, Derek, where are you? Like, they, knowing that drunk, knowing that I'm not there, I'm like, no, I'm not there. I'm sick. They're like, okay, yeah, we just we're at the game. I'm like, damn. So wow. you threw yeah, a high so school game. That's crazy. Yeah, man's threw a high hey, school. Man. We we gotta call the competition know, committee in in in, uh, in Pennsylvania, man. Get to the bottom of this. Um, <laughs> all right, man. Well, we'll wrap it up here. We got our little undrafted segment, so we're gonna hit you with three different topics. Uh, once again, you're gonna pick the the undrafted, the underappreciated, the underrated of each one. Uh, I'm gonna lead it off here. I'm gonna go with an aspect of your game that you feel doesn't get enough love or recognition. Obviously, you bring a lot to the table, but uh, something that doesn't get talked about enough in your opinion. I think, I think, I think low key my midi game, bro. My midi game is it's kind of my little pull ups and you know my right shoulder just yes. I think that's very low key slept on, and you know sometimes. Sometimes feel a little disrespected, put a little guy on me, I just get to my spot and they have no chance. They have no chance. I'll just shoot right over them. So I think that's that aspect is, is, is low key underrated. I like it. You you were getting to that a lot in the uh in the Lakers series, uh and, and in the Denver one that, that little foul line, kind of like the little fade. Yeah, uh, facts. you know, over over the right shoulder. And when you got seven two wingspan, you're right, no one's getting to that. Oh, Exactly. A pull-up from the free-throw line is a layup, essentially, with a 7-2 week span. Um, all right, I'll get the second one here. The word on the street is that you're a big Chipotle guy. I actually I saw a video on YouTube that you had the, the free Chipotle for a year card. I'm going to need yeah. that. I'm going to need yeah. you to send that I mean, my way. In my pocket right here, man. Oh Got my it right God. there, just in case. I'm so jealous. All right, so my question for you is, what's your underrated ingredient that you goes in your chipotle i don't know if you're a bowl or burrito guy but what what needs to be in there to tie it all together coming from a dude who's i'm really lactose but <laughs> okay i need that damn cheese on my brute on my bowl bro i need the yes cheese, regardless bro. it's gotta cheese, be all there i try to cut it out the other day just trying to see how i feel the next morning like the bowl was still good but it, it wasn't it wasn't. It, it was missing something. And I knew it was the goddamn cheese, bro. How much Chipotle are you eating in a year? Like, are you going three times a week? Like, okay. It's okay. Uh, had it. I didn't have it yesterday. The day before. I'll probably get it today. Like every other day. For real. Okay. So three hundred sixty-five days. You're working on like a hundred fifty to two hundred meals. Maybe a little less. Cause in season I'll stay away cause we traveling and I uh, like, nah, a little bit less, but in the off season or like preseason. Yeah. I'm, I'm there probably four out of seven, five out of seven preseason for sure. Those are numbers right there. I'll, I'll never I think forget. Advantage yeah. of the great eats, bro. Elite eats. Elite eats. Mikhail, I'll never forget my first job coming out of college we had like a icebreaker, like get to know everyone else in the company day. And we had to go around and say a fun fact. 
And one of the other new hires, his fun fact was, he was like, I've probably had Chipotle over a hundred times in my life. And the whole room was like, what? No way. That's crazy. And I'm like you, I'm going like a hundred times a year. Easy. Yeah. I'm like, like, that's life. And so I was sitting there just like, I don't think I'm going to say anything because it feels like I'll get judged. But based on how surprised people are, this guy's gone a hundred times in his life. You're going to let him live. I'm going to let you have a moment. I'm going to let you have a moment. Exactly. Um, all right, last one here. Uh, hardest matchup in the NBA. So I, I want you to stay away from a LeBron, a Kawhi, um, an undrafted or underappreciated uh, answer to the toughest matchup. All right, keep it. I'll keep keep it honest. Not just because your ass is on the goddamn podcast. Come on, man. Don't do this. Bad, I don't want I, it. I, I, I'm telling you, bro. Just because. But really, like. Two people that I every time we play, and I know we're about to play them, and I know, I know my coaching staff is gonna put me on him. Is goddamn you and JJ Reddick. I hate chasing y'all <laughs> motherfuckers around screens. That's not my no. I like I, I like when the dude is straight up and they maybe try to ISO me the damn screens and kicking and running no bro i hate that and I, every single time i'm just like when we played you guys in miami i forget I, was it was it in miami oh, yeah it was in miami and i got ugly yeah it was ugly yeah y'all, y'all put it on us but i don't think you score that much and i remember i was like yo i remember i tell my coach i'm like yo i was like hype i was like like it's not like i just fucking packed up uh kd Kyrie. like oh <laughs> I just guard the shit out, Duncan. You saw that? My coach is like, I'm proud of you. I'm like, hype. Like, hell yeah, Duncan, I get that many threes off today. I'm hype. Because I remember right, in the bubble, yo ass, when we played y'all, yo ass kept coming off some screens and was hitting every single time. And I remember they had to switch the matchup and put Javon Carter on you, and he was guarding it way better. Like, he could get through them screens. So I'm like, I was like, bro, I hate guarding people's screens. I, I hate it. I hate it. And you and JJ, I remember JJ when he was in Philly my rookie year. Yes. I start off, I start off, hey, think about it, it's my first game, it's my first start, think about this, I was my first start, it was probably like 10 games in my rookie year, and we went to Philly after I got traded, so my first game, so I'm like, Statement I, gotta game. Kill, I gotta kill, I gotta yeah. kill, so I'm like, I start off with a deep three, uh, come down, they try to dribble hand off with JJ, get a steal, dunk, I'm like, I'm about Uh-oh. to bust in your ass, I'm like, I'm going for <laughs> This man, JJ, bro, gets me two quick fouls after that, and I didn't come back in till like, the end of the second. No damn rhythm. And I'm just like, bro. JJ's like, got that. He, he's he got the the drawn fouls. You know, whatever it is, 15 years in, you start to learn how to do it. I, I haven't gotten there yet. I'm, I'm still, like, <laughs> scared to look bad where, you know, I get a shot fake and they don't call <laughs> it, and I'm just, like, throwing it off the glass. Yeah, I hate that. I hate that, right? I'll never put myself in a position where I'm like, uh, and then they go call it. Now I'm gonna look stupid. I shoot this shit off the backboard. Exactly, because I know, I know. Like you were saying earlier, I know I don't get calls. So for <laughs> me to try to trust a ref on whether or not he's gonna bail me out on a possession is is gonna end badly. More more yeah. times than it's not. We know, um, we know, we know your favorite. Come off. You about to shoot it, and you think you don't got it. it. Drop that shit back off. Come right back. I'm like, damn. I just left my feet. You know, he coming back off the other way. I'm like, bro, you know what? 
Red. Red. <laughs> hey, man. Well, I think that makes up a little bit for basically saying Michigan was trash. Um, yeah, right. But I, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> felt, felt like you were, you know, trying to pull my tires a little bit since I had you on. But nonetheless, uh, I, I appreciate it. And, and we certainly appreciate you coming on. Uh, we know you got plenty going on right now, gearing up for a Western Conference Finals. And hope you know you got a, a couple fans in us. We're, we're definitely pulling for the Suns. Yes, go uh, win one. For not only Appreciate you, but but also Jay, Jay Crowder, former teammate of mine and great dude. Boss man, so. boss man, boss man. Boss man. He's still in uh, in all caps in the group chat. Oh, what? All Always, caps. right? Always. All right, Mikael. Good, oh, uh, good luck moving forward, man. Uh, we're certainly pulling for you.